Swimcast is recorded live in front of a feline audience. And I'm Andrew. And this is Swimcast, the podcast where I, Jessica, make Andrew, Andrew, (laughs) watch movies from the 90s that I enjoy, but that he has never seen because he is an old and I am a less old. (laughs) And he would have been. (laughs) And I was a teenager in high school and Andrew was Technically, an adult man living in Japan. <laughs> Did you like the technically thrown in there? <laughs> wow, you're really throwing me under the bus. Wow. <laughs> uh, I, I, I mean, I think that was a solid intro. Other than I laughed at my own jokes way too much. I'm sure. I'm sure the listeners enjoy very much when we laugh at our own jokes, as they do on all podcasts when people laugh at their own jokes. Yes, well, nice throwing me under the bus. Uh, I, I would have to say what? fair. Is, is that, it's is fair. that not the premise? <laughs> it, that is the premise, but I mean, there were a lot of attacks on me there. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I don't know why, okay, I said the technically a man part was meant to refer to the fact that you were a young adult. <laughs> so you were technically a man and not a teenager. That does not sound good in any <laughs> any way you spin it. I know, as soon as I said it, I was like, oh, that's, that's really mean. <laughs> but but it's fair funny. It and fair, <laughs> as was any, any other 20-something who lived in Japan. Right. It stays in. It all stays in. I don't know why we're having so much trouble with this intro. Like, I th- didn't we just record last weekend? Weekend before? <laughs> it's not like we're out of practice. I just want to put out a disclaimer here. Disclaimer. This podcast lacks facts, accuracy, and truth. Whatever that is. It's merely the random opinions of two random people. If you want facts and truthiness, look elsewhere. You're, you're implying that not everything I say is true? How dare you? That's gaslighting. <laughs> so, today we're doing a mini-sode. So this won't be an hour long. Ha ha ha. Well, it might be now. <laughs> no, no, we'll try. We'll try our best. Okay, so we're going to continue with the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And this time we're doing episode four. Which I told you I was super in the mood to do a record because I've already been spending my weekend watching 1980s British sci-fi comedy. What, what are you watching? So I, th- I think I've definitely mentioned several times over the past three Hitchhikers episodes that there's a show called Red Dwarf. Red Dwarf? Which... I've never heard of that. What is that, Jessica? Oh, don't, don't, don't do that to me. <laughs> Shut it. <laughs> Unless you've edited that out of every other episode that I haven't listened to yet, and I need to explain. So No, you don't need to so, explain. Yeah. Okay. So 
basically uh, my friend who I borrow <laughs> from, she uh, got the BritBox free trial add-on and it has Red Dwarf. So I have been, I've watched already since last night, the first two seasons, <laughs> which I mean, because British 80s sci-fi comedy equals eight episodes. <laughs> Right. <laughs> but yeah, so now I will I will take a break from that to watch this other 80s British sci-fi comedy. <laughs> but now I totally forget what's happened so far in the Hitchhiker series. I can only think about what's happened on the first nine episodes of Red Dwarf. Well, I'll remind you then. First episode, Arthur leaves the planet because it was exploded. Yes. Second episode is the Vogons. And then they oh, get right. they that, get kicked off. That was off. the worst episode. Yeah. Yeah, they get kicked off, but they get on the starship Heart of Gold. Third episode is they end up at Magrathia. Oh yes, Slurdy Bird first. And we're still there. Yes. <laughs> now we're on to episode four, which maybe is the restaurant at the end of the universe. Maybe not. I was wrong last time, and I'm prepared to be wrong again. I feel like that doesn't even exist in the series now, and it's just <laughs> never going to happen. It definitely is in the books, but now I feel like it doesn't exist in the in the series at all. I do remember after watching the last episode wanting very much to watch the the following episode because it left it ended on a bit of a cliffhanger. So, I'm excited to get into it. That's right, but you didn't want to record another pod, so I said no. No, no, no. <laughs> right, that's true. Cuz we do try to come into these shows and movies fresh or relatively yeah, fresh. Yeah, and watch them together. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So, we don't watch things ahead. At least I don't, and I hope you're not. No, not the series. But sometimes with the movies, like that's how I'm reminded that they exist, is that I watch them and I go, oh my God, I forgot about this. We should totally do this for the pod. Like, oh no, that's, we didn't record last weekend because I was texting you. Okay, this is not gonna fit into the mini-sode, but <laughs> it's important to put it on record that I was watching this 1980s like vampire sex comedy called Fright Night. <laughs> I was like, this is way better than Twilight. We totally have to watch this instead. That and The Lost Boys, oh my God, incredible. Incredible. Did you say it was a sex comedy? Is there a point of it? Is there a point of it? Internet rule 34 says there is. A vampire sex comedy. In the way that 80s comedies usually were. Like, oh, lots okay, okay. of boobs. Okay. Lots of boobs. Yeah. Okay. So you're comfortable enough with that to watch with me. Yes. Okay. Yeah, because it's just, it's just <laughs> some 80s boobs. It's not, like, detailed or really raunchy jokes. But just, yeah, uh, enough boobs to give it that, what was, like, 18A rating. So right. that... You know, <laughs> teens in the 80s would have to sneak into the theaters to watch it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Okay, yeah. okay. Pretty, pretty tame by, I would say, modern sex standards. Okay, so it doesn't cross, doesn't cross the bar of uh, what you wouldn't feel comfortable watching with me. <laughs> correct, correct. <laughs> At least I, as far as I remember, yeah. It's just, it's very, just... The, the pureness of the 80s is just <laughs> Okay, so it's not a Fifty Shades. No, 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 no. no. Like, the, the sex is totally incidental to, like, put, just wedge in the fact that there's boobs and to get it that rating. Like, it's not, 
predicated on, the, like, other than, like, ooh, vampires are sexy kind of thing. Right. It's not focused on that. Like, Fright Night is kind of, it was kind of like almost, have you seen the, uh, we've rambled on way too much now for a mini sound. <laughs> <laughs> cut all this. We'll talk about it next time we watch the next Twilight. Cut it. Cut it all. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's going to stay in. It's gonna stay in. <laughs> okay. No, yeah, so Fright Night is basically the burbs, but instead of like creepy murderers, it's vampire murderers next door. Like oh. other than that, the script is identical, basically. <laughs> anyway. Alright, okay, I have cut cut all that out. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's staying in. We're already at like two-thirds of the episode though. <laughs> oh. Okay. I'm just being a pain in the ass. Okay. Continue. Before we jump into the show, I'll just bring up a Douglas Adams fact that I discovered that Douglas Adams wrote for Not the Nine O'Clock News, which was a British news comedy show that at the time featured a young Rowan Atkinson. What? Oh. Yeah. Man, see, the 80s were the best. Yeah. And so for anyone who's never seen Not the Nine O'Clock News, for Canadians, you could think of This Hour as 22 Minutes would be a very similar kind of news parody show. Royal Canadian Air Farce? It's more like This Hour has 22 Minutes. Okay. Or yeah. maybe like The Daily Show. The Daily Show is not the same because... No, because that's real news, but with Where like this jokes. this is like a news, like the nighttime news, but it's uh, it's a comedy show. Right. Yes. Yeah. I... I... Picking up what you're putting down. This. <laughs> so yes, a a pre-bean Rowan Atkinson. Pre-bean. Oh, yeah. Wow. I do love Rowan Atkinson. Okay. <laughs> anyway, all right. Let's watch this episode. That's all. Yeah, exactly. Let's just get to it. Let's watch the show. Roll it. Yes. <laughs> We're back from a, a somewhat confusing, confounding episode. <laughs> Such a weird episode. Choices were made <laughs> in the production of this episode. I mean, this whole show is six episodes, and this one firmly was in the story building, you know, staying true to the book form and not really moving very far along at all. I mean, the 20 minutes of episode was almost like uh, Kiefer Sutherland's 24. It was 20 minutes of actual what happened on uh, Magrathea. Yeah, like, well, that's what I said. It, this episode was a stage play. Lots of monologuing, lots of just empty rooms and echoey audio. Like, so I guess we should say, so I guess... People, if you you are aren't familiar with Hitchhiker's Guide, one of the main tenets of it is that it seeks to answer the question, the great the great question of life, the universe, and everything. To which most people know 
at least, you know, pop culture knowledge know the answer is 42. But in the world of the story, which this episode took, you know, 18 of the 20 minutes explaining, is that that answer came from a giant computer from doing the math about 20 million years ago called Deep Thought that was programmed to provide that answer by some ancient civilization. Um, Oh, which... And so... Yeah, I was just going to jump in and say, that ancient civilization are the mice. Right, yeah, the mice that Trillian brought on board and were living on Earth observing, observing the program. So... The first computer they built, it took seven and a half million years to come up with the answer 42 and then said, you forgot to ask me what the question was. So in order to find out what the question of life, the universe and everything is, they created the second supercomputer, which was the earth. And then the civilization turned into mice or were mice. They were, they were human looking in flashback. But on Earth, they became the mice to observe this 10 million long experiment to come up with the questions. So that's how that all tied together. But in explaining this part of the plot, like like we already said, the production choices, very strange. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, yes, they are pan-dimensional beings. And when we see them millions of years ago, they do look in human form but their projection into our universe is as mice. And they've been performing subtle experiments on us, not the reverse. And so, like they said, running the wrong way down a maze or eating the wrong cheese. So we're not observing them. They're doing experiments on us and observing us and (laughs) manipulating us. (laughs) Yeah, which... In watching this episode right now, I, I kind of went, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing maybe in this episode that made sense. <laughs> well, they often say that's about about cats, right? Is that you don't train cats, cats train you as pets, as opposed to, to dogs, you know? <laughs> as the, uh, well, I wouldn't say cat owner, I mean, uh, cat butler to many, right? many cats. Uh, This is very true. I did love that Deep Thought was this kind of giant pyramidal computer. Monolith. Yes, and it had this godlike voice. These people, these beings, they designed it, but they talked to it like it's a god. Like, they're they're reverent to it. Yeah. Oh, great computer. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it was very Monty Python, that bit. Like, oh, great computer. Oh, great enchanter. (laughs) Just sort of that, like, you can, well, you even mentioned, like, all of these actors were stage actors. So they're all probably, like, from the Royal Shakespeare Company, and they've all gone to Oxford and Cambridge, right? So (laughs) they're probably, they were probably overlapped with the Monty Python. What, what do they call themselves? The Pythons. Yeah, <laughs> whatever, right? <laughs> the Pythoners, I was like. Anyway, they probably overlapped at their 
fancy drama school, you know? So that could explain some of the same oh. sensibilities. Well, as Even though Douglas Adams wrote this, yes, but the I've, actors themselves and their delivery. <laughs> but I did mention in a previous episode that Douglas Adams actually wrote for Monty Python for their TV series. Oh, right. Yeah. Yes. So there is yeah. overlap. And, you know, just British comedy in general in that time period. Yeah. But back to the show, I love when the two philosophers from the Philosopher's Union come barging in <laughs> and demand that deep thought is shut down because it threatens their way of life. You know? Oh, yeah. So the union is out there fighting for uh, not making things better, but to protect, protect jobs. <laughs> protect the jobs of these yeah. of these thinkers yes yeah so and that was that was 20 million years ago so yeah that's, that's <laughs> nothing, ingrained yeah nothing has really changed and and those are pan-dimensional beings 20 mil, million yeah. years ago yeah but then deep thought is also not only a brilliant thinker, but he's a cagey thinker. So he kind of explains to these two kind of dumb, well, one is really a dumb person and the other one is just yeah. kind of, you know, average intelligence. But he, deep thought the computer explains to them, look, it's gonna take me seven and a half million years to come up with this answer. Here's what you two do in the meantime, basically teaching them the concept of being frenemies and uh, slagging each other off in the media and having different opinions. Oh, yeah. And you guys will cash in and ride this gravy train for seven million years yeah. or seven and a half million years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> But I will say, I will say the like the like the costumes like in that segment too. So the two guys that built the computer, what did they refer to? Them? Were they did they refer to them as scientists? They uh, they didn't really refer to them at all. I think they were just yeah. They just well they just referred to them as people in this ancient civilization. Yes. So like for for in contrast to the philosophers. So they but they they were all wearing these robes like ancient like Roman senators Very Roman, like togas yes. basically. <laughs> yeah, togas. And so they had these like red and gold togas and then the philosophers had their blue togas. But one thing the philosophers had that I noticed was like they had these like amazing like giant triangle necklaces. <laughs> I was like, where am I get my hands one of those? Those were super cool. Yeah. <laughs> Looks like I probably could order that off wish.com or something. But yeah, and then, and so that's so cut to seven and a half million later. So the descendants <laughs> of the, the scientists who are the same actors in different. Yeah, and yeah, still robes. in togas, togas and beards like you would see in busts of the ancient Greeks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But to illustrate that it was the future, the togas were silver because that is how you illustrate the future <laughs> in TV and movies. Yes, like like my silver vest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. Oh my God. If I'm digging that up and it's going on Instagram. I'll send you the picture. <laughs> <laughs> I know you've either, you've sent it to me, but I think it's, it's deep in your Facebook, which you don't use, but it's still there, mining all your data, Andrew, so I can go find it. I'll send you the original. <laughs> we'll have to, you'll have to remind me when this episode's coming I, I, out. I, en I enjoy your public humiliation. <laughs> <laughs> now that I've learned reels, my power okay. yeah. is unstoppable. <laughs> 
I also love that Deep Thought is not just an average computer because Deep Thought comes and says, yes, I have the answer to life, the universe and everything. I don't think you're going to like it. <laughs> yeah. And then stall, stall. You're really not going to like it. <laughs> right. And then he, uh, as we already mentioned, he says, it's 42. And the guys were saying, well, it's the ultimate question. It's, he's like, yes, what What was the question? And they don't really even know. So right. uh, it was never really defined. So <laughs> therefore, Earth. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, which is hilarious that Hitchhikers has uh, like an Earth creation story that <laughs> it wasn't the gods. It was just pan-dimensional Whoa. beings building a computer for their own purposes. We just happened to be on it. Uh, <laughs> we, but, the, the Earth wasn't created for us. It was created for the gods. And then, of it, course, the Vogons destroy it five minutes before the, the readout. <laughs> is it that? Is it that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm gonna have to bleep that out now. Trumpet noise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um. No, because if you bleep it out, people are gonna think I said like an actual religion, <laughs> and then <laughs> that I'm that I'm have have prejudice. Okay, good, good. We're talking around it that people can kind of work it out. Okay. So, yeah, okay, good, good. Carrying on, <laughs> moving away from that word. We will not be uh, attacked by the star of <laughs> Top Gun. We'll just say that much. <laughs> it's going to come in on his, his uh, Battleship Earth <laughs> space cruiser. <laughs> I think we've really defined it now. Okay. Is that a grease lightning? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think, we've, I think we've covered that. Oh, that's a real shot of adrenaline straight into my heart. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that no, no one listens to this podcast, Andrew. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, what else do we want to talk about? Oh, uh, one thing that kind of was interesting, because I I had a note to look for references to hitchhikers in other sci-fi series, like because we, we did find a couple of things that we thought, oh, other series have kind of borrowed from hitchhikers or paid right. homage to hitchhikers. But this time it was kind of an opposite thing where hitchhikers borrowed from the video game Space Invaders. <laughs> <laughs> but when those... did it? Because when? how old is Space Invaders? Because this was 1981. It... Really? I wonder if no. did it predate? Oh, that's crazy talk. Yeah, but um... it, it might have stolen from like similar Atari things, which would have been contemporary. Arcade video games started before things like the Atari 2600 came along. Okay. So 80, 81. Yeah, that makes sense that the that. arcade games happened before the home consoles. It might have been about the same time. I don't know. I wasn't born. <laughs> <laughs> I was. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... I think it. I think uh, Space Invaders was probably around that same time. So they showed this alien war that looked like a fancy version of 
space invaders or other very early asteroids that almost look like asteroids. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought that that was that was hilarious. Yeah, it was, and that was a clever use of their low budget. You know, instead (laughs) of trying to make something look expensive, they had they made something really cheap look very cute and well well placed and well positioned. Because it was animated, it actually looked better than the original space invaders or asteroids. Right, because it, it wasn't being controlled. It was literally drawn and <laughs> yes, frame by yes. frame. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, there was also an interesting thing, too, where Arthur refers, you know, here's an 80s TV show making references, point blank, just flat out saying, making references to early 60s sitcoms where women jump on chairs if there's mice to be seen around. Because, of course, the pan-dimensional beings are mice in our galaxy. Right. So that's what Arthur does when he first meets the mice is he jumps up on a chair and everyone's looking at him like, You've just insulted these great beings. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, exactly. How how uncool of you. You are you are embarrassing us all. Right. Well, I think that's important to bring up that scene because that's where Arthur finally gets reunited with Zaphod and Trillian and Ford. Because at the end of the last episode, they were just in some tunnel in this bright flash of light, and you don't know what happened to them. So it turns out on Megrathia, they just were. Enjoying the hospitality of the mice at this like giant buffet table that was so amazing. The set decoration <laughs> because it was just overflowing with opulence. But when you act and co- it was so colorful, but when you actually didn't, you didn't even have to pause, but when you just focused on the table setting, it was a giant pile of broccoli, <laughs> purple broccoli, <laughs> and just bunch upon bunch of romaine lettuce strewed. And and giant barbecue ribs that were painted green or something. Oh yeah, they were vegan rhinoceros ribs or something. (laughs) Vegan. And yeah, and then the large blue glass goblets and things like that. But it was amazing. So visually, I was very excited. Oh, also when Slarty Bart, Fast, and Arthur get to the doors of this room. They're self-opening doors, but there was something awkward about the way they opened. They were, because they were regular big heavy wooden doors, but when they opened, it was like they were being pulled with strings. Oh yeah, kind of Star Trek special. Awkwardly opened, yeah. (laughs) Even Star Trek did a better job. Yeah, well, the original Star Trek, yeah, they were just pulled by stagehands on either side of the set. Oh, right, yeah. And then I I also liked in that scene how Zaphod is totally cool with replacing Arthur's brain. Like, this is not a problem at all. (laughs) Yeah, because the the mice, because Arthur was on Earth the moment it blew up, the the answer would be somewhere encoded in his brain, or the question... The question to yes, the answer yeah. would be encoded in his brain. So the mice wanted to dissect his brain. And they they weren't even 100% sure. They were yeah. just like, we think it's there, but we need to chop up your brain and, and <laughs> liquefy it, basically. But before they were able to do that, they're sort of saved by the bell of the, the galactic police force has caught up with Safod. <laughs> so they all try to make a break for it. And that sort of set up the other 
10 minute weird long set piece <laughs> of this episode. It was also interesting that here are these all-powerful uh, pan-dimensional beings, the mice, but they really don't have as much control of the situation as you would first think because they just get up from the table and run away and the mice have no power to stop them. But that's because they're on, probably because they're on Megrathia. It's like a Superman thing, right? Like Superman, when he's on Superman, doesn't have any power. On Krypton, doesn't have any powers, right? It's only when Superman he's on Superman on Superman? Oh, oh that's Superman. a whole other, that's a whole other program. Is there a porn of it? <laughs> I think that's our porn of it section right there. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I'd watch that. No, um, no but that's <laughs> the thing where the mice were all powerful, but on Magrathea, they were still in mice form, right? So maybe they didn't have the powers on Magrathea because they were not in their... <laughs> appropriate dimension or whatever but i mean okay. that, that i okay. am i am i buy this i, buy I this, this is, yeah. i'm retconning this this theory in <laughs> to try and make it make sense so yeah they get to the next scene which is it's kind of a trope that started probably in the 80s is the idea of these aren't regular gun-toting cops who just want to shoot everything up. These are sensitive cops with feelings who still want to shoot everything up. I don't know if this is a trope in the 80s. For me, I was just, all of it was, I was watching it going, oh, oh, none of this will fly. <laughs> <laughs> it isn't easy being a cop. I don't go yeah. around gratuitously shooting people and then talking about it at the bar later. I go around gratuitously shooting people and then I agonize over it to my girlfriend and I'm like, oh, that sounds like the news. <laughs> A lot of the news lately. That's uncomfortable. Yes, I guess it is. But We're not obsessed with needless violence. We're just going to blow up the whole planet instead to get you. And a couple that we saw on the way in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And a couple of just, and then Trillian said, why? And they wouldn't answer. We're the one asking the questions. Uh, but like, but part of what was funny about that was their very obviously fake American accents. Yes, yes, that was pretty good. <laughs> like the thick kind of New, New York, there was a you all. <laughs> oh man. So would you say that British actors do a better job faking American accents than Americans fake British accents. Well, not these two guys, but yes, in general. <laughs> <laughs> like, I had no idea Hugh Laurie was British. When oh, I wow. Went, yeah, because my first, I never, <clears throat> excuse me, never was familiar with, like, um, what was it? What was all his British stuff with Stephen Fry? <laughs> Fry and Laurie. I wasn't familiar with that when I first saw House, when House was on. And when I found out he was British, I thought the British accent was fake. That, that happens oh. a lot. Like when I first see a British actor doing an American accent and doing it well, when I see them with a British accent, the British accent sounds fake, <laughs> even though that's their real <laughs> voice. Right, because you've gotten used to it one way. Yeah. Exactly. It's not a bad British accent. It just sounds like they're faking it. Whereas Americans, most often, definitely exceptions, when they do a British accent, you just hear the, the fakeness of it. Like sometimes it's bad, sometimes it's not bad, but it's. Yes. 
it's you, you you hear the voice coach that was there with them. It's very hello, hello, hello. Exactly. Well, there's the there's there's the British accent that not even British people have in acting, which they learn at you know RADA, and like the it's called RP, like received pronunciation, where no actual British person has that accent. They're taught it in drama school, so it's just that's it's just the very clear it, what you could argue it's the same as the American newscaster voice where it's considered accentless for England. It's, it's not regional in any way. It's just sort of proper and enunciated and things like that. So most people, when you think of British accent, that's not Dick Van Dyke (laughs) is that, (laughs) that Rada accent, like the, the Royal Shakespeare company accent, you know? So that's, that's interesting to me. But the other anecdote about that I have is, well, you don't watch Game of Thrones, so this won't be interesting to you at all. But the reason that the Starks in the North all spoke with a real life Northern England accent is because the actor that played Ned Stark couldn't do RP. So they had to make everyone in his family do a Northern accent instead. <laughs> <laughs> So that's why, like, when everybody like makes fun of Jon Snow <laughs> and his accent, it's because they had to do a northern accent. It's like, oh, we're from Yorkshire <laughs> or something. <laughs> Anyways, so well, before we move away from that galactic police scene, yeah, <laughs> there was the the scene where everyone's kind of given up, saying, oh, well, <laughs> it was a good life. I guess it's over now, and so. Zaphod and Ford start singing the Beetlejuice death anthem. Oh, yes! Which <laughs> suspiciously sounds like a, a weird version of the Star Spangled Banner. Not even a weird version of it is the Star Spangled Banner <laughs> in a made-up language, but the tune was exactly the same. So that's where I was sort of wondering, I'm like, even the police stuff, was that, like, finger-pointing at the Americans? I bet you it was. I, oh, it totally was. Yeah, it, yeah. it, it was Doug, Douglas Adams mocking uh, American probably cop shows like Beretta or s- yeah. something from the seventies. Starsky and Hutch. Oh, yeah. I bet I bet Starsky and Hutch would be uh, something that there. It was kind <laughs> of a light light parody of. <laughs> I would have loved to see one of those cops just like slide over the hood of a Camaro. That. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, unfortunately, they didn't have that opportunity. (laughs) Uh, The only other really note that I have here is there is kind of a comment by the narrator that questioning why humans spend so much time uh, wearing digital watches. Yeah, the reason for life, it's like, why are you born? Why do you die? And in between... Yes, why are you so obsessed with wearing digital watches? Which would, in the 80s, still have been a fairly expensive and novel thing. The first digital watches that I remember, they were expensive and they weren't LCD, they were LED watches. Oh, yeah. And prone to breaking down. And the only thing they could do is tell you the time. There wasn't like watches later that can do everything (laughs) but tell you the time. (laughs) Right. Or even like (laughs) slightly later digital watches that had like a stopwatch feature, 
calculator. Calculator. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because there were times where you would have to take your watch off during a math test because you can't use calculator. (laughs) Sorry, I guess I'm really revealing how old I am. Hey, but that's full circle now. Definitely that's a thing now, too. Kids are taking (laughs) tests with an Apple Watch on. Hey, Siri, write the (laughs) essay for me or whatever. (laughs) But it's to the point, like, I I don't even wear a watch of any kind anymore. Me neither. Because I have a phone. Yeah. Why why would I need anything but the phone? Are are you ever in your life not in the vicinity of at least 10 things with a clock on it? (laughs) Your phone, (laughs) the microwave, the stove... Like if you're at right. work, like every computer. phone has a clock on it. The computer has a clock on it. Exactly. And your yeah. car, your car has a clock. So yeah. Do you need the, do you need the clock on your wrist at all times? <laughs> Not so much, but I was sort of then starting to do the math because when deep thought, first of all, was this monolith computer, which they thought was like, this was the smartest computer they could conceive of in the eighties. Was like the biggest. Yes. The in order to make a computer faster and smarter, you have to make it bigger. So he said, "Okay, I'm assigning gender to the computer. The computer says it'll take 7.5 million years to process this one task you've given me." At no time in the intervening seven and a half million years did they come up with the faster computer that could have done that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Moore's Law says that they should have had another computer within 10 years that would have the answer in 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm, I'm, and I'm trying to extrapolate like how long these things take because like from modern computing, there are still things that now, there are still some computations that probably take a couple days, but 20 years ago, they took y- a year at least. So three days, blah, 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 you know? I was like, it didn't need seven and a half million years. You could have come up with something (laughs) faster and got your answer probably within a couple centuries is what I'm saying. Well, it sounds like the pan-dimensional beings probably spent their times doing more important things. Unlike us dumb humans. Oh, like like arguing with each other. Yeah, exactly, (laughs) exactly. They were busy living life. (laughs) Making dope silver togas. Yeah, exactly. That also took seven and a half million years. That's how much fashion evolved (laughs) in seven and a half million years. Red togas to silver togas. You got to do a lot of market research. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like bold of them to assume they'd still exist as a society in seven and a half million years. (laughs) Yes. So So then does this episode presuppose that mice have been on the earth that we know of for 10 million years. And they, like, does the fossil record have mice? Or no, they never died because they oh. were mice. They're the pan-dimensional beings. They're the same ones. So then the silver toga beings, they were the same actors. Were they supposed to be the same people just seven and a half million later? So are they immortal? I don't know. Because then the question of life, the universe and everything, why are you born, why do you die, doesn't apply because they don't actually die. I think those were descendants. Right. Uh, because the, the, <laughs> I think so the, too. <laughs> I just the book the, doesn't really cover that at all. So. I, I'm just, I'm poking holes in all of this logic now. And <laughs> like I was doing when I, 
<laughs> was watching Red Dwarf this morning. I was like, oh, I didn't notice that plot hole when I was younger. God damn it. I'm like, nope, ignoring it, ignoring it. Because it was definitely something that, because I know how the whole series goes, I know they address it later on. So in those very early episodes, like for example, the character that's a hologram can't leave the ship, but on one of these early episodes, he does. And then a few episodes later to leave the ship, they've got him in this like projection cage thing. I was like, God damn it. That's gonna bug me now for the rest of this rewatch. You know why? Because some pedantic viewer of the show wrote a letter in, uh, excuse me, uh, the, the hologram, <laughs> I noticed it uh, left the ship and it's a hologram. So I didn't think it could do that. No, but like this was between episodes one and three of season two where they changed that so they wouldn't have aired yet before they got all pedantic about that <laughs> see way too much thought into this way too much thought i need to go watch something more fluffy now <laughs> more drag race yay all of my viewing now is is drag queen all my non-podcast viewing it's been drag queens only <laughs> Well, there's really not much more to say because, again, not the most exciting episode. And yeah. there's there's no music to talk about. There's certainly no Mila Kunis's or Maya Rudolph's because Trillian is the only female in the episode. So what about you, Jessica? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean am I into the philosophers or? <laughs> Does a silver, the silver toga philosopher silver do toga. anything for you? <laughs> no. Certainly not. Not with that horrible hair and beards. <laughs> I was even thinking when, I, I was thinking even when the, the, the two blue toga philosophers come storming in, I was like, they're actively trying to repulse me. <laughs> no, I was like, I was like, I continue because I mentioned last time I'm finally into Arthur because pale and British. So that continues. And I'm just like in awe of Trillian's hair, makeup, and wardrobe. It's incredible. Like her like high 80s blush moment. Like so amazing. <laughs> so amazing her makeup. I, yeah, and, then, and Ford's, Ford's wardrobe for sure. I had to live through the 80s. I had to live through that 80s high blush makeup no, that you speak of. high blush is making and, you come back. It's amazing. Uh, I love it. It's a good look. It's flattering. Nothing from the 80s should come back. I, I really cringe when young people embrace the 80s. The 80s was 40 years ago. The 80s is to now. Stop it. The 1940s Stop it. was to the 80s, Andrew. Damn it. <laughs> so now I'm of the, okay, the early, the early aughts should not make a comeback. But I'm like, the 80s ah. and 90s are welcome now. Bring on the early aughts. Yeah, in 10 to 15 years time when super low rise jeans under a baby doll dress <laughs> with like butterfly clips and icy blue eyeshadow. Yeah, no. now I'm like, oh, it's already creeping back in, isn't it? The, the youth. <laughs> when that happens, I'll be lifting my cane and shaking it at you and laughing. You <laughs> Andrew, you'll be in your 70s. Just yeah, I'll be shaking my cane. <laughs> yeah. And I'll be in my 50s just like trying to fit in with the youths. Well, so will I. <laughs> I just, <laughs> right. I just ordered a bunch of stuff off Sheen. I'm like, oh, if I'm going to dress like a child, at least I'll pay 80 cents plus duty. 
<laughs> okay. Well, right. I think I think that wraps up everything. Get we off talk. my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> We, we've talked far too much about this episode. <laughs> yeah. uh, so let's uh, let's wrap this up. Uh, so Jessica, where can we find us on the internet? On the internet, you can find us at Swimcast, S-W-Y-M-C-A-S-T, on Twitter and Instagram, where I have now discovered how to make reels. So it's fun. It's really fun. And email swimcast at gmail.com or... <laughs> <laughs> this is my favorite part. Our website, www.swimcast.de for our German-speaking fans. <laughs> .de won't get you anywhere. Uh, .ca or .com. It probably will. It'll probably take you somewhere, but it's not ours. <laughs> Rule 42. Everything on the internet exists. <laughs> As porn. <laughs> <laughs> That's 34. 34. Whatever. Ah. <laughs> All right. Okay, Until so stick next around. Time. <laughs> hey, hang on, hang on. What? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, stick around. There will be outtakes. Uh, there will be a feature song. And uh, yeah, that's it. So goodbye. Bye. Hi, Stermonics here. Thanks for sticking around. Today's feature song was inspired by this episode. The song is called They Build Planets. After the song, there will be a couple of outtakes. Enjoy.
Today, we're doing a mini-sode, so this won't be an hour long, ha ha ha. Well, it might be now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we'll try, we'll try our best. <laughs> okay, so we're going to continue with the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and this time uh, we're doing episode four. So, before we get to that, uh... Leave that noise in, too. <laughs> Leave, oh, leaving everything in? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> okay, so, okay, 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 so, yeah, so, right after you said, today we're doing Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, episode four, and then I, I'll say, I was going to come in and say, I'm in the mood to watch it because blah, 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 blah. Does that work? Yeah, that's that's good. I can edit out the... the this is good blo this blooper this material, bit. huh? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cut it, cut it all. All right. Okay, so. Which I told you I was super in the mood to do a record because I've already been spending my weekend watching. Anyway, all right, that's, let's watch this episode. That's all. Yeah, exactly. Let's just get to it. And away we go. Nah, oh, fuck. No, we're not. I'm cutting that out. Uh, yeah. Let's let's watch. Let's, let's watch. No, nah, let's. Okay. Let's watch the show. Roll it. Yes. <laughs> fuck. Yeah, you gotta cut out all that vampire stuff and put it as like a as a outtake after the Twilight episode. Swimcast is brought to you by ABC, the Anunnaki Broadcast Corporation, and heard on Nibiru Networks across the Tri-Galaxy region. Nibiru Networks, holograms so real you can touch them. Like, oh my god! <laughs> 